As we know, we have started our series for Christmas called The Cast of Christmas. We're looking at different key people, key, uh, well, I guess the angels aren't really people, but key people in that story. And uh, last week we looked at the prophets, the proclamation and the expectation that the prophets had, uh, the preparation and the expectation. And this week we look at the angels. And it's talking about the proclamation of peace. And so uh, as we look at this today, we're going to be looking at what does that peace have to do with me and how do I uh, help other people experience that too. To start things out, though, I thought we'd talk about a true story of Christmas traditions. Because that's one thing we want to look at is traditions. And you may have heard this before. It's almost become an urban legend, actually. Uh, about Larry Kunkel and his brother-in-law, Roy Collette. And it was reported uh, quite a few years ago, actually, now, in the New York Times, and it's been verified by Snopes, so it's actually true. In 1964, Larry's mother gave him a pair of moleskin pants. And you might wonder, what are moleskin pants? Because I did, and here's a picture of moleskin pants, and they're kind of stiff, actually. It's a really kind of sturdy fabric, and uh, it's heavy cotton fabric woven, and then on one side, they kind of shear it a little bit to create this soft pile on one side. But they're, they're pretty stiff pants. Well, since the pants, because they were so stiff, kind of froze in Minnesota in the winter, um, when you'd be wearing them, it'd be really, you know, kind of frozen. Larry decided to re-gift them to his brother-in-law, Roy. Well, he returned the gift to Larry at a later Christmas by wrapping the pants in a one-inch pipe. They passed the pants back and forth every year for the next 25 Christmases. So these pants have quite a, a deal in that family. And the packaging during those 25 years became more and more difficult to open. Roy sent the pants to Larry in a 600-pound safe he had welded shut one year. And the next year, Larry responded by sending the pants in a three-foot cube that had at one time been a 1974 Gremlin car. And he put a note with it that said, hey, the pants are in the glove box. <laughs> so Roy later sent the pants back in an eight-foot tire filled with 6,000 pounds of concrete and a note that said, have a good year. <laughs> The tradition ended, though, when Roy decided he was going to encase the pants in 10,000 pounds of glass. But during the process, some of that molten glass burned the pants to ashes. So that's quite a tradition that started with a pair of unwanted pants, right? So I'm not sure why they did all that, but, you know. There's other traditions that we have that we're probably not sure why we do all that either, except we grew up doing it. Like, for instance, people hang lights on their houses. But what the reason is, I'm not sure. It's just to celebrate, right? But why do we do that? Well, it might have been because Jesus is the light of the world, but when you look it up, it looks more like it's a possibility. It had some connection with some ancient ritual in ancient times. So then there's also the tradition of the Christmas tree. Do you know how or why that tradition started? Anyone have any guess? Decorations, yeah. Why do we do it? Well, 
Some people would say it came from old Roman mythology. Others say 16th century Germans, or even Martin Luther, started the whole thing. There's a, a tale of Martin Luther out walking around at night, and he sees the stars twinkling and shining through a tree and decided that was a great thing to do. So the first Christmas trees, they actually put candles on them because they didn't have electricity. That's a scary thought. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's all these traditions we have, and we don't we we do them because we grew up doing them. And if we had to ask, you know, why do you do that? Or, you know, what's the reason behind it? We we really couldn't say why. Uh, there's also a thing that we hear that the people hear that this is the season of peace on earth, but a lot of people don't really understand what that reason is. The reason for Christmas and why we celebrate is the peace of God come to earth. It's what the angels proclaimed those 2,000 plus years ago. Something that we also can proclaim. Uh, so let's look at that this morning, how we can proclaim peace this Christmas. Because if we have the peace of God in us, we want to be able to proclaim it as well. Well, the first thing we need to do to proclaim peace is to pass the peace to others. When we look at the first proclamation of Christmas, that came from heaven to earth through the voices of the angels speaking to the shepherds, we're reminded of that why behind what we're doing this season. Luke 2, 13 and 14 says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So the angels ex explained that this good news of great joy for all people was come and that the Messiah was born in Bethlehem. But the peace that the angels proclaimed, that wasn't a proclamation of world peace, was it? Not, it wasn't the end of conflict and war. We only need to look at history to understand that. It was not telling us that we can now get along with everyone, family, neighbors, everyone, you know, peace, right? It's much bigger and more important than any of that. The peace on earth that Jesus brings, just like Jacques said earlier, it's the peace that we can have with God through Jesus Christ. See, Jesus' birth was an answer to that barrier of sin between us and God. Jesus would grow up and die on the cross for us so that we could have peace and we could have that relationship with God. This peace comes from our faith in Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that follows. We see an example of this peace when we read the New Testament and we look further in Luke to Luke 7. Luke 7, 37, 38, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at a Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And then in Luke 7:48, Jesus tells her, your sins are forgiven. And he concludes, Jesus concludes uh, further down in verse 50, he says to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. So Jesus is saying there that our, our faith gives us peace because of the forgiveness of sins. We have peace with God. And that's why the angels were proclaiming glory to God in the highest because of that peace coming to earth for us. The angels also declared, though, that this peace was for those uh, 
on whom God's favor rests. So who are those people on whom God's favor rests? Yeah, exactly. The expositor Bible commentary said those on whom God's favor rests are those to whom God graciously reveals truth according to his good pleasure. That sounds like a commentary, doesn't it? It doesn't really sound like how we would talk necessarily. But what he's saying there is that it's for us. Um, he reveals truth to us according to his good pleasure, those of us who follow him. There's an example of this in Luke 10, 21, when the 72 followers who Jesus set out to minister with, um, and they come back and they have all these great stories of the power of God being manifest as they did that. And then at the end of that account, when they all come back and tell all those testimonies, it says in Luke 10, 21, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these thing from, things from the wise and learned, and you revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. The Lord's favor rests on those who receive the truth and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And as a result, we pass that peace on to others. So how do we pass truth, and how do we pass peace on to others? What do you think? Tell them about Jesus. Yeah. In our interactions with them. Yeah, for sure. Because Jesus uh, brought us peace with God, our response to that news should be to become peace proclaimers in our Christmas traditions, preparations, and celebrations. The truth is most families during Christmas don't experience this peace, do they? There's relational pressures and difficulties during this season. And nearly every family gathering has at least one person who requires extra grace, right? <clears throat> For many families, Advent and Christmas actually brings more strife and conflict, not less. So as people who have received God through Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to proclaim peace in our families similar to the way the angels proclaim peace to the world. In Matthew 5, 9, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Those who are children of God want to join Jesus in proclaiming peace, right, and making peace with others. Okay, a clarification here, though. Peacemaking is not the same as peacekeeping. When Jesus brought us peace with God, he didn't just create like a temporary truce. Say, okay, that's the end of conflict and war. When Jesus brought us peace with God, he did something more. He brought us back into unity and harmony with God. Jesus didn't celebrate us. He actually restored us. And he didn't make a way to endure being with us, which is a good thing, right? I mean, that would have been sad. He made a way to be near God and develop that loving relationship with God through what he did. The United Nations right now, if you look it up, they have 14 peacekeeping missions in the world. And this is how they explain it. If you read there, you know, all about what they're doing, they say, uh, our peacekeepers help prevent conflict to reduce human suffering, 
build stable and prosperous societies, and enable people to reach their full potential. So that sounds pretty good, but peacekeeping, it's the, when you boil it down to it, it says it's trying to prevent conflict and to keep people from destroying each other. It is many times just preventing people from acting out the hate that's in their heart. And if those troops would leave, guess what would happen? Peacemaking, though, not peacekeeping, but peacemaking goes so much deeper. Peacemaking is what God did for us by sending Jesus Christ. Peacemaking restores relationships. It brings harmony, and it goes beyond just avoiding conflict. It brings restoration, relationship, uh, restoration, and unity. Jesus made lasting and restoring peace between us and God with what he did. So aren't you glad that those angels up there singing weren't proclaiming it on earth? Tolerance to those with whom he decided to endure. Or on earth, God puts up with those on whom his favor rests. No, he didn't say that. He brought us true peace with God. For many people, Christmas season is a reminder of the lack of peace we have in our families and in our lives. There's conflicts with parents, children, brothers and sisters, and lots of us just want to survive the holiday season without the same problems that we experience every year. Many of us are struggling to keep it together or just hang on to whatever kind of peace we have in our hearts until it's over. That's kind of a sad way to, to have it, isn't it? God says there's so much more than that for you this Christmas season. Son or daughter of God, because of Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection, you don't have to be a peacekeeper just trying to make it through the holidays. Instead, you can proclaim the news of Jesus Christ, the good news. You can bring peace with you. You can proclaim peace over your situation. A peace that transforms. See, peacekeeping, it tries to appease people, to patch together and keep everyone satisfied or just quietly annoyed. Uh, peacemaking, though, gently deals with those underlying issues and tries to bring healing and restoration, and that's what God's Son died for us to do. The second thing we can do to proclaim peace is to let God's peace guide us. James 3, 17 and 18 says, But wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This season, this season right now of the holidays, we should be more concerned, not less concerned, with proclaiming the peace of Jesus. And we should be centered on living out the gospel with our family and with our friends and people we work with. We all make connections during this time. We have conversations with people that we maybe only see this time of year. You know, you maybe connect with them other times by social media, email, or even by, I don't know if anyone does this anymore, sending letters. Um, but, uh, you know, we keep in touch. But this time of year, a lot of us see people we don't get to see other times of the year. We need to pray for God's wisdom in those connections. Now is the time to consider how can we proclaim Jesus Christ through what we say and how we act when we're together. 
Now is the time to be wise, as James describes it, to be pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Pray that God gives us that wisdom as we are with friends and family. Pray that God will show us how to best proclaim that good news of Jesus Christ so that we know when to speak and when to let things go. Uh, I've learned that just because you're right doesn't mean you're righteous. Okay. Personal history here. Okay. Sometimes we do need to say the hard thing. That's true. Sometimes the loving thing is to stand up for what the truth is. But other times, the righteous thing to do is to lay down our need to be right. The real mission here is to proclaim Jesus and share the love of God with everyone who's ready for it and willing to receive it. And that's why a peace proclaimer needs the wisdom of heaven to know when, know when. If you typically have relationship struggles during this uh, season, remember, most people aren't born that way of being rude, annoying, opinionated, and cruel. That's not how they're born. People become annoying, rude, opinionated, and angry because of what the world throws at them, because of what they've gone through and how they've chosen to respond to it. The one thing that we all share is brokenness. And the one thing we all need is grace. A peacemaker who wants to proclaim Jesus will try to get beyond the rough exterior. A peacemaker will show mercy, remembering that everyone ultimately needs Jesus Christ. And no one has ever argued a person into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But many people have been loved into the kingdom of God. There are times when love is tough, but sometimes love is quiet and just listens. So in the middle of all of our traditions, celebrations, and connections this season, don't forget how precious people are to God. So much so that Jesus came to earth that they also could have peace with God. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This is what God wants. He wants for everyone to come to know Jesus Christ. It's a time for us to proclaim that peace of God in a loving and gentle way. And the third thing, before you can proclaim peace to others, you yourself need to possess Peace. Possess peace. No one expects you to be perfect, okay? It's difficult to proclaim the message of God's peace when we're stressed out and exhausted. Our proclamation must first begin with us accepting and embracing the peace that we have in God. And it's rare to know what it's like to be fully accepted for who you are. I mean, think about it. How many people do you know who accept you fully for who you are? just as you are. But that's our very condition in Jesus. We're fully loved and fully accepted in him, in Jesus, and God's favor now rests on us. Think about that. Isn't that awesome? He knows everything about us, but he loves us fully. 
Even with all the talk of peace and grace in churches, most of us don't feel like we can just receive the love of God. We seem to think we need to work for it or prove that we're worth it. In the angel's proclamation, though, there's nothing mentioning our effort to obtain peace. Only the grace of God is mentioned. We don't reach our Savior by trying to measure up to him. We don't have to earn our salvation. In Luke 2.11, the angel said, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. We didn't earn his favor. His favor rests on us only because we accept it. We receive it by putting our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. In order to better proclaim the peace of God to others this season, I encourage you to guard your own peace as well. To walk and remain in peace that Jesus gives. To do that, we need to be careful where our mind goes and the things we allow ourselves to think about. Because that's really a battlefield the devil likes to use, right, is our thoughts. Rick Warren often says, think about what you think about. And what he means is, know what's going on there. What's the battle that's going on in our minds? What are the thoughts that we're allowing the enemy to keep putting in there that we sit and we think about? 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's that key phrase there. Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. When it comes to living in peace and proclaiming peace, we can lose the battle in our minds before our interaction with other people has even begun. I mean, maybe you're sitting there thinking about some conversation you might have with some people when you get together this Christmas, and, and you're thinking about what kind of argument might take place, and you're thinking about how you're going to respond and what you're going to say to that person. And if they say this, I'm going to say this. And, man, you're having an argument in your mind before you've even gotten together. If we are living like that, how can we possibly hope to bring peace and proclaim peace when we actually are together? Yes, sometimes you do need to prepare your hearts and your minds for interactions that will be challenging. But rather than preparing to defend ourselves or to fight back, maybe our thoughts should center on how we could be different this time, how we could respond differently. Hosea 8.7 says, They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. The stalk has no head. It will produce no flower. Were it to yield grain, foreigners would swallow it up. So to kind of use this verse in this situation, sow to the wind in your mind, and you'll reap the whirlwind in your relationships. Peace proclaimers need to use wisdom and patience instead of jumping to conclusions or judging other people's actions or intents. That's kind of hard to do sometimes. But we need to refuse to take offense. If we're a peacemaker, refuse to take offense when we feel slighted. We need to refuse to allow our own thoughts to turn a careless or insensitive comment into a personal attack. Peace proclaimers won't give themselves over to a rumor, 
or pick an offense that's based on one side of the story or another person's retelling of a story, right? Peace proclaimers always hope, always believe, always endure. God's love is in them. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7 talks about everybody thinks this is about married couples. Yeah, it should be, but it's really about everybody. All of us in the body of Christ need to have God's love. And it shows by love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not d dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's the kind of love we need to bring with us when we get together with family this year. I have another true story to tell you about. Um, it's about a man named Alvin Strait. And when he was 63, he got into a big fight with his brother. And they were separated by 240 miles where they lived. And so the two never spoke again or even met for 10 years. When he was 80 years old, Henry had a stroke. When Alvin heard the news, he decided it was time to reunite with his brother before it became impossible to do so. So at 73, Alvin's sight was too poor for him to get a driver's license. So instead, he loaded up a trailer with gasoline, camping gear, and food, and he hooked the trailer to the back of a riding lawnmower and set off to see Henry. 240 miles, just keep that in mind. So at the top speed of five miles per hour, it took Alvin straight six weeks to make the 240-mile journey from Iowa to Wisconsin in order to make peace with his brother. One month later, Henry recovered from his stroke and moved back to Iowa to be closer to his family, to be closer to his brother, they were able to reconcile. We all know you can't make anyone change. You can't make anyone do much of anything. <laughs> but you can proclaim peace. How far are you willing to go to share the peace that you have in Jesus Christ with the people you know? And are you willing to take that first step? Are you willing to take a stand this Christmas for peacemaking? Elvin Strait went 240 miles to be a peacemaker, and his relationship was restored. Jesus crossed the chasm between God and man and came from heaven to make peace with us. The angel came to earth to proclaim that peace, peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. In the middle of traditions, celebrations, and even obligations, Will you put in that same effort? Will your life make that same proclamation by how you live, how you act, how you treat others? And will you this season proclaim the peace of God? Will you stand as we close? I just ask you as you're standing to just bow your heads Today, if you want to have God's peace in you, 
If you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, to receive the salvation, the peace, and love of God in your life, through what Jesus came to bring for us all, just raise your hand. Thank you. If you want to be a peacemaker and not a peacekeeper, to not take offense, to not jump to conclusions, and to proclaim peace even in difficult situations, raise your hand. Thank you. Lord God, we just thank you that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to earth to bring the peace of God so that we could have that within our hearts. Lord God, I thank you the angels proclaimed the peace and said glory to God in the highest. It was a celebration like no other. Lord God, that you sent your son, Jesus, to be born and grow up and, and then die on the cross. Pay the penalty for our sins. Lord God, we thank you that in Jesus Christ, we have peace with God, that we have a relationship with you. Lord God, I pray that that peace would fill our hearts, that the power of God, the wisdom of God would fill us up. Lord, that the love of God would fill us up too, that this season, when we get together with family, when we celebrate Christmas, when we're with the people we know at work and in our neighborhood, Lord God, that we would be peacemakers, not peacekeepers, that we would, by how we act and how we live, Lord, that we would bring peace, the peace of God into situations. Lord God, I pray that we wouldn't be like the world and be just ready to jump all over somebody because they said something wrong. Lord, that we would be willing to forgive and accept people just like you were. Father, I pray that at the family gatherings we're in this Christmas, Lord, that we would uh, be able to speak about our relationship with you. Lord, I pray you'd prepare hearts of people who don't know you to receive what you have for them. Lord God, I thank you that you are a God who restores. You are a God who saves. You are a God who delivers. Father, I pray that you would just use uh, our faith to impact those around us in a positive way. We pray for your wisdom and your guidance. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. <laughs>